Let's pray together. Father, we're coming before you thankful for the time that we can come as a body to your word. And we come humbly before you, knowing that your word is powerful and effective, sharper than any two-edged sword. And we're asking for you to change our hearts, to line us up with the truth that you have for us today. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Mario. But our princess is in another castle. Some of you may remember those words. Some of you may have no idea what I'm talking about. But I grew up seeking to rescue Princess Peach from the tyrant Bowser in the great game Super Mario Brothers on the Nintendo Entertainment System. Uh, That is one thing that I spent many, me and my friends, uh, spent many hours trying to do was rescue the princess. And it was always when we made it to the end of the world that the princess really wasn't there. You just rescued somebody else and had to keep rescuing until you got to world number what? World number eight, which is where she really was. Uh, But it was a constant quest to rescue And if you grew up on Nintendo games or are nostalgic and have played any Nintendo Entertainment System games, it seemed like most games ended with you're trying to rescue somebody. The goal was rescue somebody, whether it's Double Dragon or um, Super Mario Brothers or Donkey Kong or whatever it was, the goal was to rescue. Uh, This morning in our passage of Scripture, uh, it, it seems that John is calling us to, uh, to pray for people. And in the New Testament, we're often encouraged to pray for people and to even rescue people from the snare of sin. And that sweet hour of prayer that Ms. Belinda just sang about uh, is a weapon in our arsenal. So if you have your Bible, I want to invite you to open up to 1 John chapter 5. We'll begin... In 1 John chapter 5 and verse 14 this morning, as you do that, I'd like to open up with another, with our passage of the year. Our theme this year is together in 2022, koinonia, togetherness, fellowship. I want to remind you of the importance of being together at church in 2022, and that is our goal and an emphasis. I want to remind you to place importance on that if, if you so are able to do so. Uh, please do so. What a difference it makes in the body and what a difference it makes in you. First John 1, 5 through 7. This is the message we've all heard from him and proclaimed to you that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and we do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. The goal is fellowship. The goal is a cleansing as we see here. God is calling us to fellowship with himself, with the body. And he's calling us to be cleansed from sin or a purification uh, to a pattern of holiness, not worldliness. 
What a great passage of scripture, and that is our passage uh, for this year. When we think about the sweet hour of prayer, and that God has called us to a place of rescue, and that we as a church are not here merely to fellowship, but we are here to equip each other, that my role as the pastor is to equip you. It's not just to preach sermons or teach classes. It's to equip you for the work of the church. That the church is a working body. It is not a body that's merely here to just survive. But it is a body that is meant to serve. We are an instrument, a tool for God to use for his purpose. We do not show up here at church just to sit And receive, we show up at church to be equipped to do the work. If I can remind you in Matthew chapter 9 what Jesus said. Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. And healing every disease and every affliction. And when he saw the crowds he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. In light of events happening this week in our culture, we can say that many in our culture are like sheep without a shepherd. They are helpless. They are lost. They have lost their way. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but what church? The laborers are few. The harvest is plentiful. There are plenty of people, plenty of God's people that are there. That if we go and present truthfully the message of the gospel, that they will hear the message. It is not our job to convert people. It is our job to present the gospel message as truthfully and as faithfully as we can. But Jesus said, the harvest is plentiful, but what? Laborers are few. In church, he has called us to be laborers. Not to be pew sitters or class sitters or merely contributors. We are laborers. We are all in the work. Therefore, do what, church? Pray earnestly. Pray earnestly. God has called us laborers, whether we are teenagers, whether we are Senior adults, or anywhere in between, God has called us. We are laborers. We have a purpose in the body. And he's called us to pray earnestly. And he told the disciples specifically here, therefore pray earnestly to the Lord, of the Lord of the harvest, to send out laborers into the harvest. Our job, Christians, for each of us is to be a man, a woman, a child of prayer. And that when we gather together, we gather in that sweet hour of prayer to be a people praying for each other and for the work that we are doing together. Are we all agreed on that? And I don't have a loud voice for you today or the the emphasis in my voice today, but the truth is nonetheless, God has called us to be a people of prayer. With that said, turn to 1 John chapter 5 with me.
First John chapter 5 says this, and this is the confidence that we have toward him. We talked about this last week. That if we ask anything according to what? According to his will, he hears us. This means that our prayers, our prayers that are aligned and in alignment with what God desires. And we know that he hears us in whatever we ask. When we ask how, church? According to his will. He said it right there. He hears us, whatever we ask, and we know that we have those requests that we asked of him. So these were the points we made last week. We have confidence when we ask, God hears us. We are eternal. We are spiritual creatures now. We've been made new. God has transformed us from the inside out. We are not like the world. We are distinct from the world. We are Christian. And we don't... um, we don't try to be not Christian or try to blend in so much. We be who we are. We be what God made us to be. And that is distinct, a Christian, set apart and for God's purpose. We have the request that we ask because we are now asking according to God's will. His spirit is now in us, church. We are a new creation. We're different. And our thoughts and desires ought to be different because his spirit God's spirit is in us. A different spirit than is in the spirit of the world. The spirit of godlessness, the spirit of antichrist, the spirit that is not focused on God. So we come to this week's passage and this week's verses. Verse 16. If anyone sees his brother committing a sin, not leading to death, he shall ask. And God will give him life to those who commit sins that do not lead to death. There is sin that leads to death. I do not say that one should pray for that. All wrongdoing is sin. But there is sin that does not lead to death. Y'all ready for this? This is a tough one. Uh, This is one of those passages you come to and you read it and you go, what did I just read? What is he talking about? Sin that leads to death, sin that doesn't lead to death, that God is giving life. Uh, This is a difficult passage. And I'm the first to tell you, uh, passages are difficult when you read them. They're even more difficult when you have to teach them. So this is a passage that that is not one that... that, uh, That we just come and and we say, boy, it's a no-brainer. It's going to take some effort this morning. So I invite you to dig in and reach in. Uh, But there is great wealth in this uh, passage as well. Uh, So here's some questions. We're going to break it down. Uh, If we see, uh, let's go back to verse uh, 16. If we see a what? If we see a brother. So we know that he's talking about. This is someone who's a believer, someone who's converted to Christianity. If we see a brother committing a sin, what kind of sin? One that doesn't lead to death. So my question for you then is, are there sins that don't lead to death and are there sins that do lead to death? And Stephen's saying, yeah. Uh, And it appears pretty obvious that, yeah, that's the case here because that's what John says. There are sins that lead to death. 
There are sins that don't lead to death. Well, what's the difference? And how are we as Christians to know what the difference is? We'll talk about that some. What kind of death is he talking about? Is it physical death? Is it spiritual death? I think we'll get into that. Uh, He says to pray for those who are committing sins that don't lead to death. And then in verse 16, in the latter half, he says there is sin that leads to death. I do not say that one should pray for that. So in some way, John is telling you or not saying to pray for those. Which is difficult for us sometimes. And we look and we go, well, I don't know about you, but when I grew up, I was taught to pray for everybody, pray for everything. Well, here's the Apostle John saying, I'm not saying to pray for that. So what do we do with that? That's a difficult passage. uh, And and it's one we can't ignore. Uh, This is the scripture, the holy word of God. We don't ignore or overlook things. So what do we do with that? Uh, He also makes the comment that all wrongdoing. uh, Rob, you had a different translation there. You said all unrighteousness. What did yours say? Nonetheless, unrighteousness is sin. All wrongdoing is sin. Uh, And then he says, uh, well, let's break break all this down. So I don't know about you, but if you're already confused, join the club. Because as I read this and read this at first, I'm going, what am I supposed to do with this? How do we apply this? And what does this mean for God's people who need to hear the word of God and know the word of God. So uh, like with most passages, uh, when, when things seem confusing, when you read before and read after, sometimes you get some clarity. And that's what I'm going to ask us to do is to keep reading. And I, I think we get some clarity from John. Uh, he brings us some, some other truths that, that are going to bring some clarity to what these verses are of sins leading to death, not leading to death, and how we're to pray for people and not pray for people. So let's read verse 18, and then we'll go back to verse 16 and 17 and dig into that a little bit. Verse 18 says this. We know that everyone who has been, what? Born of God. And that's that phrase that John has used throughout this book. It is a, you have been born of God, Christian. There is new life in you. It is different It's the Spirit of God living in you. It cannot be undone. It is a a new life inside of you. If you have been born or have life from God, whoever has been born of God does what? Does not keep on sinning. And I think this is helpful. If you are a Christian... You are one who will not continue in sin. Now let me say that again. If you are a Christian, you are one who does not keep on sinning. Again, you get to a difficult response there and some say, well, does that mean I'm not a Christian? I sinned yesterday and I sinned today. Well, If not, what does it mean? And that's a good question. Uh, What does it mean to say that whoever's been born of God does not continue or keep on sinning? 
And I think it, it's pretty, uh, pretty clear if you read the rest of Scripture that those who are born of God, those who are true Christians, don't continue in a habit of sin. If you know that something is wrong, then you repent of that sin or you confess that sin and turn away from that sin and you walk in righteousness. That doesn't mean you will never fall into another sin or even that one again. But it, doesn't, it means that you will not see that sin and then say, you know, I'm just going to keep doing it. I know it's wrong and I'm going to live in it even though it's wrong before God's eyes. I'm just going to keep doing it. Everyone who's been born of God does not keep on sinning. Their lifestyle changes. And this is why Christians are different than the world. It's because when a Christian recognizes that being angry and speaking out of anger is a sin, and we say, when we do that, we say, I was wrong. I should not have done that. Please forgive me. And we don't just keep walking in that way of speaking angrily. Or when we see that being greedy and focusing everything around ourselves. And we realize that we're expecting everybody to do what I want them to do. And not giving ourselves to serving other people. Then we recognize that and go, Lord, I, I was wrong. Forgive me, God. The, the habit of sin is broken off. So, so that is what's going on here. It's the continuing of sin. With that said, let's keep going. I, I don't want to stop. But he who was born of God protects him, and the evil one does not touch him. Again, difficult passage here, but here's what, what I see going on here in verse 18 is that... The sin that leads to death is the sin that is not like the brother's sin, where you see it, you repent from it, you stop doing it, and you come back into the graces and ask God for forgiveness and continue your life not pursuing in that sin. The sin that leads to death, <coughs> sorry, the sin that leads to death is the sin that is not stopped. That is continued and continued and continued until you've been overtaken by that sin. And you have rejected God and embraced that sin. So what is the sin that does not lead to death? It's the sin that you address. And what is the sin that leads to death? It's the sin that you don't address. And that you let linger and latch into who you are. Until it can overtake you and come to control you even more than what the Spirit of God is doing. And that is a sin that can lead to death. Now, what does that look like? Can a Christian commit the sin that leads to death? Well, there are a couple of ways to look at that. And I'll give, I'll, I'll give you a couple of options. And then we'll jump back into interpreting what's going on in 16 and 17. Can a Christian commit the sin that leads to death? I believe there are rare instances which, uh, which maybe, maybe this could be the case. Um, 
And it could be that God in his grace can even bring us to a place where he disciplines us in hard ways to bring us to a place where we are delivered finally from that sin. Uh, But in 1 Corinthians 11, we have a passage where Paul is addressing the church and he says, you're inappropriately taking the Lord's Supper and some of you are getting sick and have even fallen asleep or even died. And that could be God's judgment in a grace to bring people out of sin so that that sin wouldn't take complete hold of them. So in one sense, maybe, but I think likely the answer is when a Christian comes into a sin that becomes habitual, God's discipline will come upon them to deliver them by his grace from that. And you may become miserable in that sin, but God is going to deliver you from that. And let's get into that in just in some more detail with some scripture. Let's go back to 1 John chapter 5, verse 60. If anyone sees his brother committing a sin, not leading to death. So this is a sin that is one that is not habitual in nature. That doesn't take them to the place where it draws them into death. And a place away from God. If anyone sees his brother committing a sin, not leading to death, he shall ask and God will give him life. So if you see a brother who is in sin, pray for him that he be delivered from that sin. And that God give him life. That God give him zoes, that Greek word. Give him victory over that. To those who commit sins that do not lead to death. This is a call, brothers and sisters, for you and I to rescue the perishing, care for the dying, to help those who are in sin. Um, How many of you have ever given a prayer request in church? And you have asked, said, you know, I'm dealing with something uh, and I'm asking for help in this. Now, most prayer requests, and and we talked about this a couple weeks ago, that come in church, the vast majority are for sick people or situations. Most people are not, for whatever reason, comfortable with saying, I'm I'm really having trouble with anger right now, or with greed right now, or I'm I'm struggling with overeating right now, or or with undereating right now. I'm, I'm struggling with these certain things. Uh, those just don't come up often in my prayer group uh, when I ask for prayers. It's not generally sin. And, and that's okay. I, I'm not saying that we need to proclaim publicly all of our, our deep problems. I'm, I'm not asking for that. What I am saying is, uh, is that oftentimes we need prayer in those areas. And we might need to ask somebody, a close brother or sister, somebody we trust in the church to help us through some of those issues. And we have uh, uh, several families in our church right now. We pray for Jeff and his family right now. They've received uh, some news of their family and, uh, with a young Christian who, uh, who they need some prayer and dealing with how they're going to navigate the future with, uh, with Christian and, and, and what they're going to do and how they're going to parent well and, and and endure some, some difficult seasons that may come. We need to pray for them. And that's a call for us to do that. Um, that's not sin. But that's a time. That what I'm saying is as, as Christians. 
Brothers and sisters, we need to be praying for each other. There are areas in which you, as a Christian, need to find a close brother and sister in this church and say, look, I'm, I'm struggling with doubt right now or, or fear right now or just frustration right now as a mom or as a dad. Or I'm not being faithful to what God's called me to do. Will you pray for me? Because the scripture here is telling us to pray for each other, even in areas of sin. And Sometimes it even gets to the place where we see a sin in someone else's life and need to go to them lovingly and say, brother, I'm praying for you. Sister, I know it may be tough and you may not be wanting to, to participate in church right now, but you need to be there. And I want to help you through that and pray with you through that. We miss you and we know that the best thing for you is not to isolate, but to come and be a part of the body. And sometimes those conversations need to happen. And, and hoping and praying that that's not a sin that will lead to death. And that will manifest itself. <coughs> Let me keep going. Excuse me. The second part is this. Not only do we need to be praying for each other, but uh, there is a great, um, uh, a great effort and a great discipline in the church that, that we don't do much of, and that is confessing our sin. The Bible calls us to confess our sins and to let God know what we're doing wrong. And what you see here is the sin that leads to death or the sin rather that doesn't lead to death is the sin that doesn't get confessed and dealt with. So, friends, I want to just make a take a moment to say if you are harboring a sin right now, if you are harboring sin in your heart. And you know something that you're involved in is wrong. Continuing in that is not the appropriate way. The spirit, if the Spirit of God is convicting you, then brother, sister, come out of that. Respond to that. Allow and humble yourself before God. That he might do a work in you. Confess that sin. <coughs> Our family is learning this week. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. It says this. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God. In Christ Jesus for you. And if, Craig, if you don't mind, bring back up verse 17. It says, pray without ceasing. I want to encourage you that <coughs> there are brothers and sisters that need your prayer. They need to know that you are praying for them. And there are prayers that you need to pray before God that are prayers of confession. Uh, I received a text message from a brother in our church last night that said, Brother, I'm praying for you. I know you're not feeling well, but I'm praying for you. And I told him I appreciated that. So let me offer a challenge to you today. Whether or not it's sickness or it's sin, 
you can look around. You can get a copy of our roll from the church office. You can come on Wednesday night and see uh, faces and guests, folks that are involved Wednesday night even that aren't members of our church. But they come here because we have ministry opportunities. And, and that's fantastic. We need to pray for each other. We need to pray for each other. Let me say it this way. If we are not communicating with our church family through prayer, I think we're missing one of the, the fundamental core functions of the church. So this is my challenge for us as a church. We're talking about being together in 2022. I'm going to challenge you to pray for people around you. To pray for them. And to let them know that you're praying for them. I'm going to challenge you to, to burn up your cell phones or your landlines and call people and ask, how can I pray for you? And I ask you to have some intentional conversations with people, praying for people. If, you're, if you find a name on this list, you know them. Then call them, pray for them first, and then call them and say, I'm praying for you. Is there any other way? You might know some of our teenagers who are going through a rough season. Get their cell phone number. I've got all of them. If you need one, let me know. Contact them and say, Hannah, I'm praying for you. Ambrielle. You just joined the church. I'm praying for you. How can I pray for you? I want to pray for you. Tristan, how can I pray for you? Find somebody. You teenagers, y'all love to communicate. Look around, find an adult in here. And go, go find them and say, how can I pray for you this week? Church, we've got to pray for each other. We've got to pray for each other. When you read the book of Acts and you see the... The, the flow of the early church. We, we read a story from Acts chapter 5. And great healings and miracles began happening in the church. That was an answer to prayer from Acts chapter 4. When the church gathered together and prayed about it. They said, God, make us a witness. And after they prayed, the, the foundations trembled. God heard them. So this is my application for us today in this passage, which is very difficult, talking about sin. We can pray for each other and pray for strength to overcome sin. We can pray for each other and pray for strength to overcome illness or sickness. We can pray for each other and pray for faith as you walk down hard roads of difficult situations that God has put us in. Maybe to discipline us, maybe to challenge us, whatever it may be. But Christian, please do not live on an island and think, I'm, I'm okay. I live on my farm and I do my own things. <clears throat> that is not the calling of the Christian faith. The calling of the Christian faith 
is to strengthen yourself that you might strengthen others. Is to be built up that you might help somebody. And one of the ways that we do that is through prayer and communicating to each other. So the challenge is there for you. Pick three people this week and contact them. Make phone calls. Learn how to pray for people and do that because the Bible has commanded us to be in prayer for each other. And when the Bible says pray without ceasing, when the Bible says pray without ceasing, I I don't think that's just a recommendation. That is what God is calling us to do as Christians, to pray without ceasing. stop right there today. I'm going to stop right there today with one simple encouragement for you. And uh, I know that's shorter than normal today. That's okay. Uh, My call for us this morning, let's focus on that. Let's pray together. Father, we're grateful for prayer and the gift that you've given us. We're thankful for your word that it teaches us to pray. To pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ. To pray that we can overcome sin. To pray that we can be strengthened for the ministry work, for the labor that you called us to do. And Lord, we as a corporate body pray that you send laborers. Let us be a part of the harvest, O God. Let this church, this body of believers, let us be part of the harvest of conversion to Christ, of baptism, of ministry, of sacrifice. Oh God, make us a part. And we pray, oh God, as you send us the work and as you send us out, that we will be faithful to do what you have called us to do. God, we ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen.